and welcome to Sparkler Podcast number 31. Today we're going to be talking about NaNoWriMo, or possibly NaNoWriMo. I assume both of you, both of those pronunciations are okay. Uh, but today we're going to be just talking about uh, big events where people write or put together video games or do all kinds of things like that, and uh, the best way to go about them, what it's like to be part of them, you know, suggestions for doing your own creative project on a, on a short time frame. I'm Rebecca Scoble. I'm one of the Sparkler editors and the head of the Sparkler audio department. I'm here with three wonderful people who've got more experience with this than I do. Hello, I'm Denise Schroeder. I'm the creator of uh, Before You Go on Sparkler Monthly. I also make the webcomic The Good Prince, now available at thegoodprince.com. Hi, I'm Aaliyah. I'm the head of production at Sparkler. Hi, I'm Tabby, and I'm the writer and director of Out of Sync. Okay, so all three of these wonderful ladies have done uh, some of these things themselves. I know, uh, well, Out of Sync is the video game that we actually ran on the Sparkler website, and that was done for a game jam. Which jam was that? That one was done for Yowie Jam um, 2016, and it ran for like a two-month period, and we took three. (laughs) I think that's that's, uh, pretty common. So uh, what projects have uh, the other two of you guys done for different kinds of jams? Well, I'll go ahead and start. Um, I've been participating in NaNoWriMo since 2011, actually. And I primarily use it for to write novels. But right now I'm participating in Camp NaNoWriMo this month to work on some comic scripts for The Good Prince. I have successfully won it in 2012, 2013, and 2014, and failed in 2011 and 2015. But I, actually, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I've done the NaNoWriMo technically since 2009. I have never won, though. (laughs) (laughs) But I did win uh, the time I did Camp NaNoWriMo, so that's something. And I've also Mm -hmm. done NaNoReno, NaNoReno, the the visual novel version of that. And uh, Tabby, you've done more than just Out of Sync, though, right? Yeah, I did a game for uh, Jam for Leela, which was a memorial to uh, Leela Alcorn, who killed herself a couple of years ago and that one was was like a month long and i found out about it i don't know 10 days before it was over and i made a game in like five seven days wow whoa yeah i didn't realize you i mean that game is pretty simple but it's not that simple (laughs) i'll have to check it was like at most it took me two weeks to get the whole thing done and i feel like it was a lot less than that like the only reason that got done was because i used free backgrounds free music my script was only two thousand words long and this person i hired for sprites was like crazy fast at it but it was very very tight of a timeline and then i did do something for uh yuri jam at one point though i pulled that down for uh personal reasons that was another two-month jam i believe and then, for some reason, this year they've made they made Yowie Jam only a month, and I think Yuri Jam was only a month last year. So, I can't imagine getting anything like a video game done in that little amount of time. It involves very little sleep. I actually made myself sick working on Out of Sync. Ooh, oh, like, wow. I I never get sick, and I was like trying to work, and I was like, why do I feel so weird? Why is it like six thousand degrees in here? Oh wow! <laughs> I didn't understand. <laughs> And then I realized I was running a fever, and well, don't don't overwork yourself. It's not worth it. Scope small. Oh. Scope real small. 
All right, so maybe uh, first I want to hear a little bit about why you guys like trying to do these uh, jams and month-long deadlines for your novels. Like, what what, what appeals to you guys about it? <laughs> what are oh. we talking about, like, earlier before this podcast started, like, about masochism and, like... <laughs> yes, okay, so but I think we all know, though, that masochism is, like, a big ingredient of being a creative person. Like, I think that everybody here will agree with that. Everybody who's listening probably agrees with that on some level. If you don't you're probably kind of lying to either yourself or <laughs> you gotta be a little masochistic oh the key word there for me is deadline i need deadlines or i never get anything done and so that's part of the appeal of nano for me is that it gives me a set time frame okay here's what you got to do here's when you got to have it done therefore i actually write the book instead of just reworking the idea in my head over and over and over and over again for 20 years and then never write it um <laughs> <laughs> I also really like the community of it, though. Like, I'm, I've never been super active on the forums, but I just I love having the buddy system. You can look and see where other people who are participating are at. I, I, have, I have a little bit of a competitive streak. I like making sure my word count is higher than theirs. <laughs> and um, having the graph that they give you where you it tracks your daily progress, I think that alone is the biggest motivator for me. If I didn't have that graph for my for work like every day, I think I would never stop working. It's so much fun to watch it just go up and up and up. It's addictive. Yeah, um, I've done Nano Remo a couple of times. I don't know if I should say I ever won it because I did copy and paste like the phrase "rainbow unicorn attack" a few hundred times. Oh, no. <laughs> had my word count, so I did technically hit fifty k. But whether that was like ethically done or not, it's a whole other story. <laughs> my my first win, I technically cheated a little bit because I tried started the book the year before I got. 7,000 words in and my computer crashed, like just died, crashed. Mm -hmm. And Ugh. so I gave up. And then the next year I was like, I still want to write this book. So I copy pasted the 7,000 words I had and just kept going. So I kind of cheated that year, but there's, there's no, it's, it's an honor system. There's no way for them to know if you're cheating or not. Well, except so. when you admit it on a podcast. Well, <laughs> yes, but this was... Five years ago at this point, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and what are the, are, they, are the uh, nano police going to come, like, knock down, knock on your door and, like, I don't know, take away the nothing that you won? They can't have my certificate that I never printed off. <laughs> <laughs> they do give you a little certificate that you can, like, put your name on and sign it and say, like, yeah, I won. Otherwise, the prizes are just the discounts that their sponsors give you. And they, there's a little winner badge that appears, like, if you enter, you won the word count before the deadline. You get a little winner badge. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know this was so formal. Well, it's not formal. It's just like a nice little thing. Oh, no, no, no. But I mean, the fact that they give you like discounts on things and the fact that they actually have like a graph, the fact that you got all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, it's like a like, huge thing. There's a lot of like, I, I just thought it was like write some stuff. It's like a big nonprofit thing. Like it started out really small, but then it just like grew over the years. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, is there anything else that that is like someone who doesn't never done it before would be surprised to know about it? Like that you could think of just technicalities or. I mean, if we're talking beginners going into it for the first time, I'd say the biggest hurdle that I encountered starting the first time is telling my inner editor to shut up. And you'll hear nano participants and authors alike talking about that a lot because the pace for NaNoWriMo is just so fast. You've got to turn out almost 1700 words a day. There's no time to go back and edit and think, Oh, did I word this right? Now oh, that sounds stupid. You just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. And a lot of authors swear by this method for writing their first rough draft because it just gets it down on paper and then it's easier to edit it once you have it down. 
Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard to tell your brain to stop editing. <laughs> and I didn't get the hang of it until probably my second win that first year was was rough. I had to just tell myself, don't look at what you've written. Don't look at what you've written. Just keep going. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100%. Ugh, I still have so much trouble telling my inner editor to shut up because it's just, ugh. I'm like a perfectionist. And yeah, it's so hard to like be like, you don't have this is going to be messy. There's nothing you can do about it right now. <laughs> Everyone's rough drafts are terrible. You just have to quit get it down. It's telling yourself the story. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually okay with having rough drafts when there's not like a deadline. Like my brain can't figure out the difference between a rough draft with a deadline that you can go back and fix later. It's so weird. <laughs> or is I the opposite? Like, again, like I was saying, if I don't have a deadline, I never finish anything. <laughs> no, like it's just... I have no idea. It's weird. I mean, I got 30... The first time I, that I actually tried NaNoWriMo, it was back when I was in college. So that was like 2009. And I got 30,000 words done out of like the, the 50,000 word goal. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how I did that. I'd like to go back and ask myself that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really helps when you hit those moments where you're so excited to write the scene, the words are just flying out and it doesn't feel like you're writing anymore, but you're actually experiencing the story. Those are when you get like tens of thousands of words down. It's so wonderful when it happens. It's all those spots in between where you are struggling to figure out how to word a single sentence that makes it hard. Mm. I actually have this thing where like during these challenges, I like have a slump in the middle and then I get like really fired up at the end because I'm like, wait, the deadline's more real now. It's coming up. So that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think I think even for, you know, projects that aren't aren't this, a lot of us have that where you're like really fired up at the beginning and then you're like, oh, whatever, I have two weeks left and I got bored. And then suddenly two weeks is now three days and you got to finish up what you're doing. Yeah, Yeah. I think actually I could have won that one because so I remember like it was Thanksgiving break and it was getting real and I was like, oops, where did the time go? And I was getting, my brother-in-law was driving me back to the dorm, my dorm in college because he was going the same way. And I'm sitting in the passenger seat in the car and my laptop is on my lap and I'm just typing furiously and we're pulling up to my dorm and I am still typing furiously, trying to get in as many words as possible, but I didn't do it, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As for the issue of hitting a slump in the middle and then finding yourself dashing toward the finish at the end. I do that most years anyway, but actually my 2012 win was the year I tried a method um, known as reverse NaNoWriMo. And actually, if you, I just made sure you could find it. If you do a Google search for reverse NaNoWriMo, um, there's a wiki entry that walks you through it. And the idea is that you do your biggest word counts in the first week when you're stoked about it, and the counts get get gradually smaller and smaller until on the very last day you only have to write one word. <laughs> and if you can if you can push through, because I mean you you have word goals of over three thousand words that first week, but if you're super excited about it, three thousand is not much. And if you can push through those first couple of weeks, it's a cinch after that. It's actually, like that. yeah, that's a that's a good idea. I really like this method. I tried to do it the following year and did not succeed and had to dash to the finish. But I, I always try and do it because I had such a good experience with the theory I did it. Well, I mean, at least it's the kind of thing where if you do screw up, you can still do it. You know what I mean? It, yeah. 
So let's talk a little bit about planning. Obviously, like, at least for me, when I'm, when I'm going into a big project, the thing that will stall me the most if I'm trying to write something is not knowing what's happening next. And even if I know what the next, like, big scene is, not knowing how to get there will really screw me up. So, yeah, yeah, you know, when you're just like, oh, when we get to point B, it's going to be amazing. But like, you know, this guy's like two continents over and, I don't know what's happening. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, what, what do you guys usually do for planning when you guys are trying to write something on a deadline like this? Well, I um, I am a huge planner. I generally, the, the month before, do as detailed of an outline as I possibly can. I'll just go through bullet point by bullet point and fill out, fill out as, as much as I can think of. Of course, your characters always do everything wrong and take the story off somewhere on the left fork and you have to scramble to keep up. Uh, but I do my best to lay out as good of a roadmap as I can. I usually just try and push through it. Sometimes if uh, writing advice that I've heard before that has been useful is if you're stuck, think about what your character wouldn't do in that situation. I start listing out all the things you know the character would not do. And sometimes what they would do will come to you. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it's okay to just skip ahead. I've also heard sometimes if you just jump ahead to that scene you are looking forward to writing, you might figure out some things that'll give you ideas for what to do in the middle when you go back. One thing that has helped me, I was watching a writing video, and it was actually by someone who is a playwright. They said when you're trying to write a story and you're trying to think of how to write it, think of how you want the story to end first, and then the rest of the story will follow. Maybe not like right away and in glorious instant but much as we would want it to but if you have the ending in mind even if it's really vague like i want the characters to be happy or i want the character one character to die a horrible death and the other to be left pining like (laughs) (laughs) you have that idea and then you can start kind of reverse engineering it i guess like okay so how do you get to the end ending and it goes yeah, that's a good idea. And it's actually helped me with my personal writing projects more because it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, with the light at the end of the tunnel when you kill off all your characters and make them, you know, hide <laughs> for each other from out from beyond the grave. The when, you, when you're you know, when you're a writer, that that is kind of enticing. It's good shit. <laughs> it really is. Hey, when I was wor- when I was working on Awake, I was like keeping note of every time someone told me that I made them cry and like using that as like a badge of honor. It was great. It also kind of depends on what your goal is um, or what kind of what your personality is. Because something that the people who run Nano will say is that any anything goes. If you are just trying to make word count, you can just write a dumb scene that doesn't make any sense. You can have ninjas bust in through the door and your characters have to fight them. You might cut it out when you have, after you're done writing the draft, but if it helps fill the word count, word count bleh, um, it could also give you an idea, something that you didn't think about before. Sometimes your, your project just doesn't turn out the way you thought it would either because the first book that I won with the finished draft that I had looked nothing like the book I wanted to write and I actually need to completely redo it because the characters said no we're gonna go here instead and I was like wait 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 no come back (laughs) (laughs) and it's it's not a bad story but it's not the story I wanted to write so I've got to reskin one of the characters and figure things but but anyway like depending on what you're trying to accomplish you might still be able to make the goal anyway and just have to make a lot of changes to your book later Mm. One Um, thing I've also found for myself is like, I'm also, I also like to plan my stories in advance. mm -hmm. Because before I wouldn't do any planning at all. I would just be like, hey, here's an idea and jump right in. 
And now that I'm planning in advance, like I have a really good idea of what's going to happen. But sometimes I get like wrapped up in planning and it's like, oh, I haven't written anything yet. So some when that happens, I have to like force myself to write something, like even if it's just like a small scene. Mm-hmm. And at that point, sometimes my brain will just be all like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to like do this and see what happens. And that's really good for productivity sometimes. So Yeah, that's always a good idea to jot down uh, little extra scenes, even if they don't make it into the book. My second book that I wrote, uh, I was having trouble getting my head around a couple of side characters. And so I just sat down and wrote a couple of stories, uh, a couple of scenes with just them to figure out how they responded to stuff and actually gave me some ideas for some scenes that did make it into the book later. So I will say that planning for a game jam is kind of a different animal just because I, you have to like manipulate a lot more moving pieces. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, please tell us about that. I'm curious. Yeah, okay. So I will say that the way I tend to make myself do outlines these days, I used to not do them. And now I'm basically at the point where I'm like, no, you have to do an outline or you're just going to be in like deep shit later and you're really going to regret it but i tend to do outlines in a very stream of conscience consciousness like paragraph way where mm-hmm. i will just start typing like as i would be telling it to somebody so my outlines tend to come out very casually and kind of messy and i say fuck too many times <laughs> <laughs> I, I are we allowed to say that on this podcast oh yeah absolutely well you okay. said worse <laughs> yeah, yeah so for instance if i if i'm at the end and i'm like okay so this character he fa- finally makes it to the fucking basement and in the box there's this goddamn fucking heart that will be what's <laughs> in the outline unless i need to clean it up for somebody at which point i'll phrase it to be something proper like they finally make it to the basement and then he finds a heart like that's all like pleasant and nice and not full of the word fuck see, but if I, if I recall well see recently i actually had to turn one of uh tabby's uh stream of consciousness uh <laughs> things into into a, a formal pitch for somebody just as like a as like a well i think you'd already cleaned it up a little bit but you kind of cleaned it up quickly so there were some uh yeah. there were a lot of like like random f-bombs just kind of dropped in there yeah. <laughs> random spots you know, yeah. you know suddenly out of sync makes a lot more sense yes yes <laughs> oh my god yeah um Tyson was very easy to write because i was just kind of like you know i haven't written first person in like six years so i'm just gonna run with whatever feels natural and snarky and saying fuck too many times felt the most natural so <laughs> but let me see it also kind of depends on who you're working with, because when it came to Out of Sync, for instance, I j- mostly just let uh, Capo do all the art direction. Like, the way we started it out was she doodled the character that ended up being Taisei, and I wrote out a very quick, rough bio, and then we were bouncing ideas back and forth for show, and I wrote out a really fast bio for that while she was drawing him. And then we just kind of tweaked both things from both like the sketch and the bio from there until we were both happy with it. But other times, like, where we've been playing around with a thing where like some of the characters have gone through many, many revisions just from like the art standpoint, a lot of which that I never actually like got to see so she did like if she did like 10 sketches i only got to see like three of them and 
Denise, you mentioned doing like little standalone things between a couple of characters to try to mm-hmm. get a better feel for them. One of my favorite things for working, like for like planning out like both short things and longer things. I wrote a couple of very short story drabbly things with Sho and Taisei. Is just doing those short little isolated pieces so that you don't feel like you have to worry about your plot. You can just write this stupid random scene. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, sometimes I've done those. And I look at the final product and I'm like. Oh, oh, I didn't think of that at all. I like this. This is canon now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's mostly the writing part. And then when it comes to things like music, I what I did for Out of Sync was I just talked to Becca. She was like, well, how about this many tracks? I was like, okay, we just (laughs) we just went with it. Yeah. The main thing about planning any kind of game jam is for like the love of all things holy scope real small. And then if you go over it. It's not a big deal. I don't know. Like, that's really all I do. And then, like, when it gets to the actual game jam part, you, I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants and write real fast. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, the game jam, like, like the a lot of the planning on that is actually talking to other people. And I mean, like, you know, if you're kind of like the person heading up a video game, you have to be a manager, too. Like, yeah, you know, because the game's not going to happen if your artist is like off, you know, doing like character design number 37 and not never getting the sprites done or like drop off the face of the earth for some reason. Uh, and, and I mean, I think from from my experience working with uh, with Paper Star Studios and, and, and doing, you know, game projects with those guys, it's like, well, part of the cool thing is that you kind of have that community aspect just as part of being in a little studio. You know, so everyone's sort of bouncing ideas off each other and talking, you know, anyway, which is kind of like the same effect you get with having this like nano community where, you know, obviously it's different when you're working on the same thing versus different things and, and, and doing the same thing versus, you know, because I've, I've mostly done like, you know, music and sound effects and editorial work and occasionally getting drafted to like do a bunch of grunt work and, and exporting sprites and that kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, like it's just it just so happened that the week before Out of Sync came out. I had just left my day job, so I had all this free time. And Tabby was like, oh, do you have free time? Do you want to sit up until four in the morning with me exporting sprites? And uh, I mean, you know, anyone who's worked on, on a game will probably will know that it's like the Photoshop file with the sprites is like really, really fun because, you know, you get just like, oh, blush goes on, blush goes off, blush goes on. <laughs> toggle, 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 you know? toggle. Oh, there's his pants. They're gone now. You know? <laughs> This does sound like fun. Oh, it's so much fun. It's just, but uh, yeah, you know, obviously like that, that, that game had a ton of different sprites. And so I was kind of taking directions. It was like, I need angry eyes, blush, shirtless. And then I need angry eyes, blush, pop star outfit. And then, you know, just trying to like provide those and give them a naming scheme that made sense so they could actually put them in the game. And, and, you know, so there's a ton of like little weird tasks like that, that, that come up that, uh, somebody's got to do yeah Yeah. i was sending becca a ton of these really disjointed directions that out of context would make no sense to anybody (laughs) (laughs) and like i was just sitting there reading through the script and as i like noted where somebody's expression would was supposed to change i would write it into the script send her the name of like whatever the heck i was send her like the pieces of information that i needed and then she would just export the sprite and i would just keep going all the way through the script. <laughs> I do not recommend this. There are better ways to do your sprites. Like, there's a, there's this one method that I'm really hoping to try at some point. Where, like, you basically get 
a um, naked, potentially armless version of your character with no face. So a horror show version. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, like they're naked, they don't have a face, they may or may not have hair depending on like how you're doing this. But then if I'm understanding correctly, you just export all the individual pieces so, like, you export each set of eyes and each set of eyebrows and each outfit, and then you call those pieces to, like, layer on top of the sprite. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah, so ultimately you have, like, way less files to work with. I don't remember how many sprite files we ended up with with Out of Sync, but it was way too damn There many. were a lot. There were a, <laughs> there were a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, like... It would have been worse if Taisei had, like, more poses or either of them had more clothes. <laughs> and it, it's good that, like, we were on such a time constraint because, like, me and Capo so would have gotten carried away with, like, how many clothes we could have given them. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that was a you, very exciting prospect. I mean, those were already really complex sprites, even compared, you know, for a game that short. They were very complex sprites. You know, just, like, a lot of different options. And, and I mean, they're really fun, but also it's kind of like, do we need, how many levels of blush do we really need? I mean... Um, a when lot. it's a six. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She she has them really, really fast, though. Like, for most people, I don't think they would make a sprite that complex for a game jam. But, like, Capo is extremely fast, and she's just, she got those done both in, like, a couple days each. And I was just like, what? What do you what do you mean you're done? Like that, that's not how this works. Why is it done already? Oh. Are you call me slow. <laughs> no. We did also have the advantage though of being able to split up the assets between people because Capo did the pencils and the lines and then I handed off colors to somebody else entirely and there came a point where we handed off flats to somebody and then somebody else did the colors. Romy did a, the flats on a lot of things. And then my friend Tomo did the colors for Out of Sync. Mm -hmm. And, like, if that's an option for when you're planning out a game jam, I highly recommend it because it means that you can keep the asset thing, like, the asset creation moving, and you don't have to wait on one person, really. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to get, into, get to a point where, like, you're just completely stuck and you can't do anything because, like the art assets aren't done, you should have a piece to work with mm -hmm. while somebody's working on the next step of it. Yeah, I mean, I think add more artists is, is usually <laughs> a good thing for any kind of video game project. But yeah, definitely just, uh, I mean, so many games, if they actually have the ability, will we'll outsource colors at the very least. So uh it's, I think it's a good plan if you can if you can swing it. Yeah, it's it made life so much easier. I fully intend to do it every time. <laughs> I'm trying to think about what to what to bring up next. <laughs> I can talk about when I did my nano re Rena stuff. Yeah, yeah go for Zulia. It. Okay, so actually, like when we were planning this podcast, and I I went back and I found the posts I made when I put these my little games I finished online because. I don't remember what I actually did for these games. I just know I did them somehow. So the first one was for Nano Reno 2013, the visual novel jam. And that one, I think I joined in the middle. So I was like, and I didn't really know what I was doing. I think this was like the first visual novel I made. So I was just like, why not? And I used free everything, except I wrote it and I coded it and I put it all together. But free everything because... I'm a writer. I am not a jar, at least not a skilled one. So 
I didn't want to subject anyone to that. Also, like, you know, a, a game jam with a very tight deadline is probably not the time to decide you want to try to be an artist, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. I could have, like, put in stick figures. That would have been okay, but... I thought a nice sprite, so that was fine. The story was understandably, like, really short. I think the finished game is, like, less than five minutes to play through. Um, the thing I was most proud of was, like, I, fig- I figured out how to put in a- an unlockable bonus section. So if you played through the game once, you unlocked the bonus section, which was basically, like, my creator's notes about it. And what, what else should I say about this? Well, okay, that was your very first game. You said you've worked you've worked on other games. You were were you working on that really cute looking game with all the it was like a Yuri game and it was all those girls and was that oh you? yeah 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 whatever happened with that? That was for Yuri Jam. That was for last year's Yuri Jam, October through November. Yeah, that was like a one month jam, and I joined a team for that. One of my friends invited me to join the team as a rider, and. That's still going on. It's just, I mean, we didn't meet the deadline because of complications and like, it was not a good time for the team individually, Mm -hmm. personally. And we're still doing it, but we're trying to like, not overwhelm ourselves. Hmm. And we're like revamping some things too, so. It also, it seemed to have a lot of characters. Like I I wasn't following that one that closely, but I remember you sent the art around and it was like really cute. But yeah, we're redoing the art too. We got a different artist. So. Oh, okay. But uh, yeah, it's- yeah, the characters are going through a redesign too. So, but yeah, it seems like I had a lot of characters for a game jam because most of the people I know who've pulled off a game jam have like two characters. <laughs> yeah, we kind of realized later that you know, whoops, feature <laughs> creep. It happened. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, no. I mean, I think I think the the advice to uh, to keep your first game or games small is is probably the absolute best advice you can give to anyone because I mean you know I mean hell I from before Sparkler existed I have an old visual novel that had too many characters and was too long <laughs> you know <laughs> I think a lot of people have that somewhere in their like hard drive oh gosh the second comic that I ever tried to make in middle school had like fifteen characters and there's a reason it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also, you were in middle school, and not a lot of people, you know, actually accomplish anything in middle school besides, like, you know. Yeah, Yeah, it never got beyond character designs, but I'm glad it didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes those things are for the best. Mm. Yeah. I will say I can think of, like, one exception to the whole keep your scope crazy small thing in regards to, like, actually getting a game jam done on time. Mm-hmm. On a tight deadline, there's a visual novel team that I've ta- talked to a few times, and I think their base member number is like 21. Oh, wow. So they have a minimum of 21 people on board. And wow. if I remember correctly, their Nano Remote, or not, their Nano Reno project ended up being 50,000 words and like was fully voice acted. Oh my God. That up. <laughs> it was insane. I have so much admiration for the guy in charge. Well, that's the thing. Like a project like that, what you would really need is just this insane like managerial hand, you know? And and I feel yeah. like like, you know, and this is something that uh, Tabby does a lot is that you can't get a game done unless you've got like a manager who's really on the ball. It's not even about the writing or the art, it's about somebody who's making sure all the pieces are actually happening Mm -hmm. and i mean obviously the writing and the art are important because if you don't have them then you're screwed but like if you if you don't have that person whose brain is keeping all the pieces together then you're not going to accomplish anything because some piece is going to fall off and 
you know, you've got to you've got to actually know where everything's going and and what you're actually trying to aim for and have somebody who's paying attention to the the big picture. You know, it's like that's like the director. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is definitely something that like you're doomed if you don't have somebody that can stay on top of all of that or you're not handling it all yourself. Mm -hmm. It's easy to keep yourself on track. (laughs) <laughs> like, keeping track of everybody else is a completely different thing. Mm. I'm trying to find the project that they did, because I should have all, like, the information on it. And then I can, like, say their name, because I will be confident that I have my facts straight. <laughs> they've only done- they've, they only have three games on their page, it's gonna be one of these. <laughs> Fully voiced, Jesus. Just editing voices for a game is, like, it's one of these, like, giant, exhausting tasks. <laughs> Yeah, you have to chop it up into clips, you know, that go with each and every line of dialogue, Mm -hmm. and then name those something that makes sense, and then insert them into the game. (laughs) Like, it's, it's, you know, like, like, getting a good recording is one thing, getting it actually into the game is a whole other enormous job. She did an Excel chart just to keep track of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, it's one of those things that everybody wants, and, like, it's... It's one of those things that downright terrifies me See, because of how many moving parts there would be. That's one of my like life goals is I want to do full voice on a game. Or not even like necessarily full voice, but just voice acting on a game. Because I love working with voice actors. Audio dramas, as much as they're fun, are also kind of... I mean, nobody really gives a shit. <laughs> nobody listens to them, and nobody gives a shit. At least not the ones that I've worked on. <laughs> but also, just, you know, I love games, and being able to do the voice track would be amazing. And I, I know what you have to do, and it's an enormous pain in the ass, but I think it's worth it if you can get it done well, you know? Mm-hmm. Becca, I give a shit about the audio dramas you work on. <laughs> They're so good. good. <laughs> no, I, I was not fishing for compliments. I'm just trying to... <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just want you to know. By the way, I did find the visual novel I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Tell crazy. us about- So it's by this group called uh, Team Watercress, and they've been around, I think, from, I don't know, before 2015, I think. But their Nano Renault visual novel involved 30 people, and the um, story itself has branching 11 endings and is over 70,000 words long. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've never been so impressed in my life. Like, holy shit. So I'm kind of wondering, like, were the? I assume they had a writing team. Yes, I believe so. I don't know what their breakdown is. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what their, I'm just sort of guessing what their breakdown would be. It, it, it's, I don't know, it's it's interesting. You'd have to, ha- how to, to think uh, how you would actually organize that. Yeah, I think they might have kind of a hierarchy going, like in hmm. the standard way that like in a business you would have like managers managing a cluster of people that report to a manager mm-hmm. and then those managers report to another manager i think they do something like that mm-hmm. but i really can't fathom it mm. like i'm too much of a control freak personally and if i don't know what every moving part is doing mm-hmm. i'm not happy yeah yeah like, that makes sense it's not good enough to be told by one of the managers that their three people are doing xyz I want to know what X, Y, I want to know what those three people are doing. I want to talk to them or I'm going to be like going crazy wondering. <laughs> what if I don't have all the information? What if they didn't ask the right questions? What if something's missing? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's one of those managerial skill things that, you know, like people don't think of as an actual skill until they realize that as a manager, like letting go is such an important part of, you know, like, like figuring out how much to hover and how much to let people just get on with their work and stuff like that. Because like, you know, yeah, it, 
it's a skill I don't really have yet. Well, that's so, why you're like, not managing a team of 31 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I got 7, 8, <laughs> maximum of 10, and, like, that's enough, I'm good, I'll leave it to the people that know how to manage 30 people. They know what's up. They've got it down to a science. I was just going to say, I really love the idea of making a visual novel. I've been fascinated by it for years, but I'm the same way. I want to do everything myself, and so it'd probably never get done because I'd have to do every stage, and this is why I make comics instead. (laughs) Yeah, it'll get really, really overwhelming if you try to do every single piece of it. At least that's what I've seen from people that are both, like, writers and artists, which are, like, not common in the English visual novel community, there's always an abundance of writers, and there's never enough artists. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, <laughs> finding one that can do both is, like, a really weird experience. It does not happen a lot. There's always too many writers. Uh, when we're, we do open submissions and someone's like, will you pair me up with an artist? And the answer is, no, never. <laughs> I'm sorry, writer. Writers are amazing when you know like like a good writer is like incredibly valuable but it's one of those things that because the barrier for entry is so low there are about a billion writers who have some skills but not all the skills or they are doing something that's good but not marketable or they're doing something or they're really good at one thing but not another thing or they just haven't proven themselves yet because i mean you know obviously when you're talking business a lot of times it's just like have you proven already that you can draw an audience Writers, we love you and you are valuable. But when it comes to like creating a game, this is why the, the writer often is the person like putting up the money because it's their story and their dream and they're getting all the people involved to come and make their dream happen. Yeah, yeah. the writer is usually the bank account or at least the person who's going to be managing the Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, well, even even if it's even if there's actually, you know, a lot of times there isn't money coming in on these things at the beginning uh, or they're on spec or something like that. But the writer generally takes on some kind of managerial role where they're either in a comic team or the one running the the uh, the store or the social media or just, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff, just because, like, drawing something is such an intense uh, thing. It just takes up more time to do the same amount of uh, drawing that it, you know, for a comic or a game or whatever. In big two professional comics, a writer can be working on five projects simultaneously. That artist is working on that one. Yeah, exactly. For months and months and months. Art is just slow. And I mean, this is the thing. I've, I, everything I'm saying is coming out really mean. And I'm saying this as someone who is not an artist. And I mean, you know, I, I sort of even hesitate to call myself a writer because I'm really just an editor. Anyways, are there any comic jams? I don't know. I, I've, I've ever heard of one. I just know the game jams and the novel jam. There is a comic one. Um, I'm not sure if it's just for manga style stuff, but that's just my experience with it. It's called uh, Nanomango, and it happens in March, I think. And it, the idea is you do a 30-page comic in 30 days. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And I have never attempted it, A, because I'm always busy in March, and B, because I have no thanks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I've had to almost do that for a couple of sparkler deadlines, and I want to make sure I'm getting paid for it. (sighs) Yeah, fair enough. I mean, a a page a day is one of those, like, that's a doable rate for a lot of people, but it's not an easy rate for anybody, I don't think. Yeah, especially if you have a day job. Yeah, that too. I think for Before You Go too, I was um, averaging a, like a little over a page a day, and that hurt. That was mm. hard. That was a rough deadline. 
Yeah. Fun Sorry. Comic, though. I did enjoy it. No, I, I, I enjoyed working <laughs> on it. I'm really happy with how it turned out. Oh, yeah. No, Before You Go came out beautifully, the whole, the whole thing. And I was especially proud of what I did accomplish in that amount of time because I'd never worked that fast before. And it was nice to be able to say, yes, I did this. Well, I think a lot of times when, when you're doing these things where you're setting yourself a very hard goal, either because of an outside deadline or a deadline you're giving yourself or doing a jam or something, it's true that like, you know, a big part of it is just, well, A, you work your ass off for a while, then you've got this thing, you know, whether it's a first draft of a novel or a, a game that's almost done or, you know, whichever, you know, it's just sort of a way to like, put your nose to the grindstone. And then when you look up, you're like, Oh, I have this thing now that I can, you know, do what I want with. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think we've said in other podcasts that uh, <laughs> one of the the novels we did on the site uh, was a nano remo that was actually very heavily edited after the fact, but like the first draft was done in, in nano remo. Yeah. Before we got it. Did, did, have we said this before? Does people know what it is? Am I not? Am I, do I not have to keep it a secret? I don't remember. I want to say I know what it is, I but I don't remember is. where I heard it. Okay. I, I mean, I can't tell you if it was on this podcast or not, because I'm woefully behind and getting caught up on listening. Well, whatever. Just one of the novels. I'll just leave it at that. You know, for anyone who is interested in being a writer, having a novel manuscript is such a valuable thing. Even if you end up having to, like, scrap 95% of it and, and rewrite it or whatever, just having that in your backlist and being able to say, oh, I've got on my hard drive this novel is such a valuable thing. And then you know you can do it. And you know that if if you have to write 50,000 words, that's something that you're able to accomplish. Oh, I mean, I haven't finished editing any of the three uh, novel manuscripts that I have done, but I like to just sit there and preen and like think about how proud I am that I have them. (laughs) (laughs) Which is bad because I might not ever finish them at that rate. (laughs) Hey, you know, being in the creative industries can be extremely thankless sometimes. You have to take it where you can get it. Yeah, no, it's true. I need to just give myself a deadline because like I said, deadlines, because a couple of those I do want to pitch to you guys. Yeah, no, you should. But that means you have to edit them. So you'd better get editing, Denise. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Uh, I'm halfway through editing um, one of the books that I did, I've been like, I, I take camp nanos and other nanos and you just like keep poking away at the edit. Man, though, sex scenes. <laughs> Want to talk about sex scenes? <laughs> yeah, so sex scenes are really hard to write. I mean, I, don't I was going to say like, um, as a, a word of, uh, of advice for people who want to jump into nano, maybe don't make the, your first time writing sex scenes in a very long time your project. <laughs> <laughs> Or alternately do that and then force yourself to write them. Oh, gosh. I finally went back and started editing that first sex scene I wrote in my book. I'm like, what was I doing? (laughs) Oh, man, I hope you saved the original somewhere because, like... Oh, no, I do. I save every draft of it. Okay, good, because, like, my favorite thing in the world are, like, people's first attempts at sex scenes. Oh, man. Like, I remember being in in a high school creative writing class and, like... We weren't really supposed to do anything, like, any attempts at erotica. Because, you know, we were all, like, 17 at the most. And this one kid decided to live dangerously. And he <laughs> did it anyway. <laughs> oh. Overall, it was ver- the story itself was very well written. But I am never going to forget the line, He bit her nipple erotically. And how I tried really hard not to lose my shit in the middle of class. Reading this guy's draft. <laughs> okay. I mean, I... 
I was on fanfiction.net back when it started, so I've, I've written some erotic fanfic. I don't have any of it anymore, though. This book was my first time trying to write anything like that since my fanfiction.net days. And even then, I never did a whole lot. So I was still very much going at this like, okay, so what kind of words and euphemisms do you want to commit to? Oh, God, that's the hard thing. Like, what yes. is, you know, like, like which euphemisms are you going to use? And they all sound stupid for different reasons. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, some are worse than others. And some are, you know, they're very contextual. Like you can't, you know, you can't use the word manhood in a modern story. Oh okay, you right. can't, don't use the word manhood, manhood anyway. Uh, sorry, do not use the word manhood anyway. It's just stupid. Or, and you know, really... like floral imagery. And <laughs> no. Then you start oh talking about people's assholes like they also have floral imagery. And oh it's like, gosh. no. It's really rough when you are trying to write a same-sex scene, though, because you start to feel like you're just beating these words to death, and you can't think of anything better to use, and your pronouns get all mixed up. <laughs> Whenever I'm writing, like, any kind of sex scene, like, I, I always find it really boring to write them. I'm just like, yes, they're pounding now. <laughs> Whatever. I don't super care. I mean, I love writing them. I just get so hung up on the words, on what words I'm trying to pick. And especially that first book is like, oh gosh, all these words sound dumb. And, uh, and then uh, cock or spaniel, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like other people in general, like when they get to read your sex scene are going to have a better experience with it than you ever did. Yeah. Because one, they're going to be surprised. And two, they're probably not going to get hung up on every detail of who's doing what. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I, I tell myself that constantly, or I would never get through sex scenes. We haven't really, since this month is Camp Nano, we haven't really brought that in too much. Oh, yeah. Mm. And I was going to especially bring it up for people who are intimidated by the word count of Nano, since Camp has a much smaller, Camp Camp, you can set your own word goal. Yeah. And so you can make a much more achievable chunk. Mm. For just starting out. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, I, I I think we've done a lot of we've done a fair amount of like process talk. I wanted to kind of see if anyone else had anything else to say about like how to structure your day around getting a lot of writing done and stuff like that. Oh, uh, if you had to figure out a good method, let me know. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> but I mean, we can talk about that a little bit anyway. We might have some stuff to mention about yeah. it. And that's part of the whole goal of Nano is to get you in the habit of writing every day mm -hmm. so you find what works for you and you can keep it up when it's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, like, it's very clear from just, you know, you, you talk to, like, three writers and you realize everybody has their own process. So much of it is just, like, figuring out what actually works for you. And, you know, people have such different opinions on even just, like, what time of the day they can write, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how much they can do at a time, what style they use, uh... You know, I, I'd heard, uh, I think it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Game of Thrones guy, George R. R. Martin, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I wanted to call him J.R.R. Martin, but that's not. <laughs> You're mixing a couple people together. Yeah, I know. That's a couple, that's a couple of uh, writers all mixed together. But uh, George R. R. Martin was saying just like, you know, there's two styles to writing. It's like, there's the gardener and the architect and just talking about like, you know, the idea that the person who gets their whole first draft out in one whole thing and then goes back and sort of prunes it and turns it into something that is, you know, uh, that works versus the person who kind of like builds it brick by brick and how they're both valid sort of ways to do it. But 
you know, there's a lot of really successful writers who use either of those two styles, you know? So, yeah. so the idea that like, you don't have to, you don't have to be the person who writes 50,000 words in a month and yeah. accepts them being, you know, I mean, obviously if you're going to do a nano, nano remo, you kind of have to, but like, that doesn't, that's not the only valid way to get your story done. You know, if you're not somebody who can do the kind of freewheeling rough draft, if you're somebody who can still get your work done, if you're kind of like, assembling it a paragraph at a time that's still a totally valid way to do your work you know you just everyone has to do what works for them yeah and your your process can change over time too it probably will change you know yeah yeah definitely there are a lot of people who can't well NaNoWriMo just in general does not work for them at all and Mm -hmm. there are people myself included who have tried NaNoWriMo and they drop it for a bit and then they come back Mm -hmm. so there's no really wrong way to approach it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like it's it, any of these any of these jams. They're at their heart. They're just they're supposed to be a motivational tool. You know, they're supposed to be yeah. a way to get you to produce something. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. You know, or or I mean, hell, just like you have a hard November and it's not going to work for you. <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. That's happened to me a couple of times. I think um, was yeah twenty. 20- 2015 was the November my life fell apart. Oh, <laughs> about a week a weekend. That was the that was a whole big thing. My everything exploded at my day job, and everything fell on me at once. And I kind of just stopped working on it. Hmm. And that happens sometimes. Like my computer exploded the first year I ever tried to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. Uh, it, like I pulled it off the table by mistake, and it fell on the screen, hit the corner of a chair. Ooh. And cracked the screen. It was unusable, you know. Oh, it had like the, wow. the 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 goo of like spreading everywhere. You you couldn't use it anymore. Oh no! Oh, wow. I was pretty upset. Well, yeah, understandable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like I wanted to try Camp Nano Rimo this year, but I'm going to be moving pretty soon, like this month or like next month. So I I might still tempt it because you know, say la vie and all that, but. Who knows? Yeah. And even if you don't make the goal, any writing you get done is more than you might have done otherwise. That is very true. Yeah. Can you guys, uh, for people who might not know, can you explain what Camp NaNoWriMo is? Yeah, sure. So Camp NaNoWriMo is, I think they kind of describe it as the summer camp version of the official quote unquote NaNoWriMo in November. It's kind of the off season version. Yes, that's what they call it. And it takes place in April and in July. And you can set your word count. I think the lowest you can set it to is like 10,000 words, right? I actually think they made it lower this year. I think you can make it as low as 5,000 now. Oh, wow. So there you go. And you have a month to meet whatever word count goal you want, just like in the regular November event. And And it it doesn't have to be a novel either. No, yes. You can like write whatever. You can plan... You can write a screenplay. You can do scripts for a comic. You can edit, too, right? And another thing is that you can join cabins. So just little private groups of writers who can check into a cabin. And it's basically like a little group chat room where you can check in and say, hey, I'm doing writing now. Or, hey, I was having a hard time writing today. And you can just 
have that smaller, closer knit sense of community. Mm-hmm. And you can see everyone's progress on on their projects in a little uh, bar on the side too. So if you are a little competitive like me, you can um, compare yourself with where with where you're at with everyone else. <laughs> that's a motivator for me. Maybe we should be in a cabin. I'm a little competitive too. I actually have a private cabin. I can send you an invite. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk later. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> you, you, you can make your own um, private cabin with just your friends or you can join one your friends started. Otherwise, they have certain criteria for being put in one randomly. You can choose to go in one um, of all people in your age group, of all people who are writing in the same genre as you are some examples. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to also like throw it out there that we tend to have a lot of really great people on our Twitter so if, you know, sparkler people want to get together, this might be a, a good idea. You know, we can kind of... Uh... That would be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm using um, this Camp Nano this July to work on scripting for the rest of the good prints since I'm trying to make a go at getting this comic done. Um, making some good progress so far. I've finished a chapter. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, it's only the fifth, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, these chapters are a little short, though, so, I mean, it's not like a super huge accomplishment, and uh, writing comic scripts is, for me, is easier than writing a novel, because I'm not going, breaking it down, like, page by page, panel by panel, I'm writing more of just kind of a free-flowing thing that I break up when I, uh, when I thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I actually really like Camp Nano. I think it's a lot of fun. I, I like how it has more of an informal feel to it, because it is the off-season thing. You don't have that um, that pressure to try and like prove something to yourself as much. I mean, you're yeah. still proving something to yourself, but also I'm a little biased because the first Camp Nano I ever did in 2014, I wrote probably my favorite book I've ever written. And it was so much fun to write. And I cried during one of the big climactic scenes. And so I love camp. <laughs> For those of you who haven't done Camp Nano Rymo before, and you're wondering how do you translate, say, revising or planning a story into a word count because that's how they end up tracking your progress on the site i'm gonna actually want to like get a little winner badge they have like lots of guides on the site like resources on how like guidelines basically i'm actually gonna cut you off here because they changed it this year wait Um, really yeah you can now you don't have to just do words they have words um pages hours and i think there's one more Mm -hmm. whoa that's amazing yeah, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Ah, that's so cool. You see, for sure. You can do words, hours, minutes, lines, or pages. Oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, no, it's a really good change. I'm glad that they... So, the sorry to just kind of jump in there. Yeah, the work can be so intimidating. Like, okay, that's really cool. Thank you. I didn't yeah, know well, that. <laughs> yeah, they only just changed it this year. Because I remember what you we were going to say. Yeah, they had little guidelines. I think like an hour's worth of editing translated into a thousand words or something. Yeah, oh, that's so cool. So yes, do nano, write stuff. It's fun. Yeah, well, I mean, like I think as a group, and uh, we're all going to just suggest that people write more stuff because I want to read everybody's stuff. Do be careful about just pitching your nano rough draft to a publisher right after you've written it. Uh, especially like big publishers, that's a little frustrating for them. So consider giving it an edit before you give it to someone. Yes. Well, I mean, that's a general, like, just don't send a bunch of like nonsensy rough drafts to professional editors just as a favor. Yeah. Cause a lot of 
a lot of professional editors complain that they hate NaNoWriMo because they just get a huge influx of unedited rough drafts in their slush pile. And- mm. Yeah, it's true. I've heard that too. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's like if you're actually serious about getting something published, you you actually have to show you've put in the effort, you know? Yeah. Right. Anyways, yeah, so any any final thoughts, uh, advice, telling people to go write some more stuff? Uh, one last bit of advice I do want to share because I um, was – um, shared uh, somebody shared this with me my first year and I've never had to use it but it's a really good piece of advice anyway especially when if it's your first year you're having a really hard time telling your inner editor to shut up and leave you alone if you sit down to write and you look at the part that you wrote before and it's miserable and you hate it and looking at it makes you want to cry highlight it turn the text white then it's still there it still counts but as far as you know it's deleted you don't have to worry about it anymore and you can keep moving yeah that's not a bad uh, sort of psychological thing to do to yourself just to get rid of it right and when you've got a deadline that tight sometimes you have to trick yourself yeah yeah definitely i like that and then you can you know i mean you can just literally hit enter and write the good version of that paragraph if you have to you know yeah but then but then the words are still there and they're still counting towards your total mm. yeah also then, oh sorry go on I was just going to say, and then when you go back through, and it was like, what's this giant white space here? Oh, yeah. Hit delete. Don't even look at it. Just hit delete. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Okay, so I was also just going to say, if you don't meet the deadline you set for yourself, don't beat yourself up over it. Yes, that's important. I think what's important is that you, like, made the attempt, and even if you didn't accomplish what you set out to do, you can look back on it, even if it's later after you have had some space from it, and see, like, maybe there was something that you couldn't do next time that could possibly help you reach the goal. Or maybe you don't ever want to do it again, and you've learned that, so now you know. <laughs> or maybe your book turns out nothing like you thought it would, and you have to start over anyway, but you didn't know that before. <laughs> yes. Expect the unexpected. Yes. Embrace the unexpected. <laughs> even if... You don't want to. <laughs> Part of being a creative. Mm. Tabby, you got any any parting words? If you've ever wanted to try to make a visual novel, I really advocate for game jams as like you're one of the first early attempts to do one. Just because you will figure out very quickly how much work goes into one and that if you blow your sc- if you like overwhelm yourself with ideas and routes and all of that you're going to figure out very quickly that you have doomed yourself for that game jam. And, like, it just gives you a really quick way to get a really solid grasp on, like, the workload of games mm. that you can't really get spread out over a planning period where you can just sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this and also these 10 things that's going to do all these things that's going to have, like, 200 event images it's easy to say all of those things. But when you have a deadline. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. When you have this tight deadline and you have no idea what you're doing, it's really great for making you be like, wow, I can't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to dial this the fuck back. Yeah. So I, I really advocate for them. And also you can end up working with people for free, like other people who want to do these things for fun. So you don't have to put a, a huge investment into it. And, like, typically you both, everybody who was involved comes out having made something together, and it's nice and fun, and if not, well, you all learned something anyway, so. Yeah, it can be, it can be good for collaboration, 
and just learning how you work with others too. Yeah, and, and yeah, you might learn that you hate people. <laughs> yeah, or honestly, you you very likely will learn. Hey, our scope was way too big, but I bet we could do something awesome with one or two characters, and you know, yeah, start from there. Do game jams. It's a great idea. <laughs> you might cry, but it's worth it. <laughs> Anyways, okay, on that note, I think uh, it's time to wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for joining us and, and talking about writing and making games and working on kind of nutty deadlines. <laughs> well, thanks for having us. It was fun. Yeah, this was awesome. All right, and I hope everybody out there enjoyed our conversation, and we will see you next month. Bye. Write stuff. Write stuff. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.